some time to pray. Uh, the message I prepared was almost at the beginning of the lockdown, but then I've been looking for opportune time to share it. It was supposed to be a sermon in church, but God has said I should share it now as part of the victory night. So we'll go. Go ahead. Brother Rajesh, please. Can we just go ahead? I won't give any text now, but uh, we will, uh, I'll give you the text. Is my conclusion at the end. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, so this is where we're going to start from. It might look like a funny picture in front of you. I know some of you would have done uh, MBA, Masters in Business, uh, business, uh, business Studies. So we're going to have a case study. A case study from the circular and a case study from the Bible to depend on what I'm going to talk about. Now, you look at what's ahead of me. What you have in front of you, you will see mobile phones. And it's talking about the history of mobile phone. And I can remember the big one on your left of your screen. I'm sure when that one came out, that was the phone that everybody had. And only a few people had that. The people that were rich and the people that moved on, they were the only ones who earned it. And then from there, we moved on to the Nokia, the two Nokias, the Blackberries, and then to the smartphones. Now, a lot of our children cannot picture the big phones on your left. Most of them know only what is on our right. Praise the Lord. The one on the left, the first mobile phone, I couldn't afford it. And I'm sure most of us could not afford it because it was only meant for who is who in society or people that had money. Now, the thing that you will notice about it, there are two brands that are there in the middle. The second and the third on your left. It's all called Nokia phones. Nokia phones. The one, the first one there was, I think, a Nokia 3310. And it was a very, very famous phone. I'm not too sure about it in India, but I know in the UK, Nigeria, it was a very, very famous phone then. So what was Nokia? Nokia was a company, okay? It, they became the best-selling company in October 1998. 1998 is before 2000. So they were the best-selling mobile phone then. Okay? And they had a profit in 1995 of $1 billion. $1 billion. Okay? And almost $4 billion in 1999. So within four years, 95 to 99, they had about $4 billion in profit. In profit. Okay? And the best-selling one of all times was Nokia 1100, which was created in 2003. Now, if you go towards the right, you see some of these smartphones, okay? Apple introduced its first phone in 2007. I think most of us now will have iPhones. Is it a Samsung or iPhones, isn't it? iPhone is by Apple. And the first one they introduced was in 2007. And don't forget, Nokia has been the market before then, okay? And at that particular point in time, okay, almost all smartphones were Nokia. Apple only had 5% of the market a small fraction of the market, okay? But then I, uh, the Apple started building up. It was building up, okay? In 2010, okay, almost 10 years after Nokia, okay? Nokia developed a phone to match the iPhone, but it failed, okay? The quality of Nokia phones started declining, okay? And by... By 2013, about 2013, 90% of the value of Nokia had gone down. 1998 to 2013, the value of Nokia had gone down totally. Meanwhile, Apple has picked it up and Samsung has picked it up. Nowadays, we don't even talk about Nokia. It's almost dead. 
is almost dead as a company from 4 billion in 1995 to a small fraction if losing it all in 15 years 15 years nokia passed and we're going to look later on at what caused it but there was a change we can see what we're talking about there was a change from the big phones to the small phones and that's what brings my topic today and my topic is victory in change victory in change praise the lord victory in change now that is on the circular one of the people we know in the bible that went through a lot of change in his life was david if you have not heard of the story about david i ask to encourage you pick your bible go to first kings first samuel and read all of them first and second samuel first and second kings read everything about david and then also go to psalms and read psalms but i'm going to talk about it because i know most of us are familiar with david i'm using that nokia to also bring in how things affected david in, in 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 his lifespan praise the lord so what is change let's start quickly what is change change an act or process through which something becomes different is an act or process in which through something becomes different okay or simple make or become different to make something or become different praise the lord okay that is what change is an act or process through which something becomes different now there are certain facts about change that we have to understand certain facts about change that we have to understand number one fact about change is the only thing that is constant in life is change the only thing that is constant in life is change you know sometimes you must have heard it if you look at that phone picture there's no way today we'll be living with those big phones that we have well smaller smarter phones things are changing that's the facts about that's the facts about thing facts about change number two and i want you to understand this take this point down number two our happiness should not depend on the steady state of things if things are going normally that our happiness should not depend on that brother i just can't change the slide our happiness should not depend on that okay our happiness should not depend on that Sorry, that was the definition of victory. Okay, sorry, I'll just wind back. I think I lost my slides. Victory, the overcoming of an enemy, achievement of mastery or success. But the last definition there is a struggle or endeavor against all odds. Please take note of that definition of victory because we're going to come back to it. A struggle or endeavor against odds or difficulties. Sorry, I took you back. Okay, I forgot that slide. A struggle or endeavor against odds or difficulties. Make note of that definition because we'll talk about it later. Okay, let's go to the next one. So the facts about victory. Okay, I think I've mentioned the first one, the second one. Now, a lot of us, our happiness depends on things going selah, selah, as they're going as normal. If you remember what Pastor Leslie spoke about, and that's what triggered me to give, to share this message with you. In this message, he said, forget about the past and look forward to what's ahead of you. But most of us, our happiness is dependent on steady state of things. But our happiness should not depend on that. Number three, which is very important, write it down anywhere. There can never be growth without change. If we don't take anything from here, there can never be any growth without change. So let's go forward. What is changing around us in this season that we find ourselves? What is changing? Okay? Technology is changing. 
That's number one, technology. The world is changing, okay? The world around us is changing. And the first thing that's changing the world around us is technology. Okay, technology. Before we go to the church, the technology. Okay, I, I was one of those people that was involved in the world. I was, uh, I can remember when Blackberry Messenger was there. I refused to move to WhatsApp. It took me ages. I think I was the last person. Everybody left me in Blackberry. And all my contacts reduced, 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 reduced to only about three before I finally closed my BlackBerry account and I went to WhatsApp messaging. But technology is changing in the world. And if technology is changing, where are we in the, in the scheme of things? Jokingly, I was talking with Brother Rajesh today. I think we were talking about architecture and I was asking what software he was using. He said, ah, he was drawing with his hands. He enjoys the feel of drawing with his hands. And I laughed at him and I said, well, maybe the new generation will not agree with you. And he laughed and he said, yes. I say he belongs to the old school generation that do everything by hand. But nowadays, there's so many softwares that are changing as we go. Now, another thing also that's changing the world is extreme polarization. Everything is so polarized. I think Corona has made so many people polarized. The stability of the world is changing. Everything is moving too fast. The weather is changing. We have seen extreme weather in the world, isn't it? Some people blame it on global warming, but things are changing as we go. Praise the Lord. Okay? Number two, the thing that's also changing is the church. The composition of the church is changing. Okay? The composition of the church is changing. We're beginning to see older people in church. We're missing out the younger generation in the church, if I'm not mistaken. Even the response of the outside world to the church is changing. There was a time people were eagerly embracing it. Now people are saying, oh, these people are only fanatical. That's what they call us at times. Now, even the people that are challenging the world is changing. In those days when I was growing up, most of the people that were talking about was people that were drinking, maybe smoking, fornicating as vices. Now we have other issues in the church. We have LGBT that we have to deal with. We have atheists that we're dealing to. That people that say they want to belong to the church, but they want to have these characteristics. Now, if I, for example, now, if I pick one of us and I'll say, how do you deal with an unbeliever that's a drunkard? Most of us will have answers to give. But if I tell you now, how do you deal with an unbeliever that is gay? How do you handle that kind of situation? The world is changing. The church is changing along that line. How do, we, how do we interact with them? How do we bring them in without accepting the values? The values are totally wrong. But how do we minister to them? Praise the Lord. Now, even the doctrine of the world is changing. There was a time it was talking about missions. There was talking about the great awakening, revival, isn't it? Then there was an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And then now there was an emphasis on prosperity. And now there's going to be another emphasis on something else. Most likely, I pray it is, focus on the end times. But even the, the, the different aspects of the gospel, the emphasis is changing with different times as we go. If you go down church history, you will see the changes. Now, where's the church? Unfortunately for us now, we're having online. I would have loved to see you online. But now we're having church virtually. Okay? How does that affect us? 
the Lord said in Matthew 28, go into the world. Now the world for us, whether we like it or not, is virtual to a certain extent. Almost everything is done on mobile phones, looking at us. So how do you go about that? Number two, number three, people around you are changing also. People around you are changing. Family members are changing. Friends are changing. Neighbors are changing. People are changing based on your circumstances. People that were your friends are no longer your friends. People that never were your friends, you're your friends. People that will help you might be people you don't know. But that's also changing. If I ask some of you, the friends that you have when you were young, are they the friends that you have now? No. The friends you have today might not be the friends you have tomorrow. People's behavior to you and to them is also changing. Your role also in the world, the final one is your responsibility, your role in the world is also changing as you grow older. No, your physical body is also changing as you grow older. Your physical body changes. I don't need to put any emphasis on that. Number five, the role in your world is changing. I think I was talking the men's group. I think we're beginning to celebrate milestones now among the men. In the UK, we'll call it a free bus pass. By the time you get to 60, you get a free bus pass. We're getting people that are getting to that age now. So your emphasis as you grow older is changing. Okay? And you have to start getting ready maybe for retirement and other things. Sometimes from a commanding role, you might become an advisory role as you get older. Most of us have old parents. And most of them are advising us right now. Before, they used to direct us, but now they're advising us. That is also change. Now, we'll go back. Okay, quickly, we'll go back and we'll just look back and we'll see what were the reasons for the Nokia failure. One of the reasons for Nokia's failure was fear. There was organizational fear. Okay? And thank God for my sister that gave a testimony today. She says she will not be afraid. That was the first thing that killed Nokia. There was fear within the management and there was fear within the employees. People could not even own up to where the issues were. Does that sound familiar today? Where we are, there's so much fear around us. Corona, jobs, everything, there's so much fear. And that is what's killing us as a church, as a body of Christ. Fear. Fear of the unknown. Whether it be technology or whatever is out there, we're fearful. And that's what led to the fear. Now, I said I was going to bring in a character in the Bible. David, David is somebody that had a lot of ups and downs. From a shepherd boy, to fighting Goliath, to being praised, I mean, to, for people praising him, from running away from Saul, from becoming king again, and then running away from his son. <laughs> I don't think you will see somebody that has had so many ups and downs in the Bible. Maybe the only person that I, will, I will say will compare with that is Joseph. But Saul, Saul, David had a lot of hills and valleys. But one thing David had, David did not have fear. When he faced Goliath, he had no fear. When he was on the run from Saul, when he was on the run from Absalom, he had no fear. So we have mentioned that. Okay? Number two. Okay? Another reason for the Nokia failure, the product was inferior. The product was inferior. Now, for us as a church, what's our product? It's not inferior. Jesus Christ can never be inferior. The only thing that can be inferior is our own way of 
broadcasting it, of taking it out. Okay? We're not no longer diligent in spreading and sharing the word. A lot of religions out there are more innovative or sharing the word now. Nowadays, we don't memorize scriptures. Some other religions can memorize the book from the back to the front. Our projection of the gospel is making us, we're losing out in that area. We have to move and reinvent ourselves in sharing the God, uh, God's gospel. Okay? Another thing also, all right? Is the arrogance among top level managers. That's one of the things that happened with Nokia. Okay? Management arrogance. Now, one of the things is they knew, they felt they knew everything. Now, coming back to David, let's take an example for David. David was not known to be arrogant. David understood everything. David had a lot of praise singers, but yet he did not do a coup on Saul. If God does not take out Saul, he's not going to take there. If David wanted to take over when they were giving him praise singing, he could have done it. Even though he knew he was anointed to be king, he waited for his time. David was somebody that was able to take correction, even from the Lord Jesus Christ. David was one that was able to see how things are changing. He was very humble. When things changed for him and David, he moved with the flow. When he became on the run, he moved with it. When his son was chasing him, he moved with it. So David was very humble in his heart. We also have to be humble in the face of change. Whatever requirement, whatever decisions we have to take it, we have to take it from a humble of humility. The last thing also that they failed was lack of vision. They refused to allocate resources to long-term goals. They refused to allocate resources for the new operating systems. Now, the thing is that will kill the church and will kill a lot of us is lack of vision. And the Bible says, my people perish for lack of vision. David knew what he wanted from day one. From killing Goliath to his battles and eventually wanting to build the temple of God. You can see what it is. From the shepherd to killing Goliath to becoming king and they even had a vision to build a temple of God if God had not stopped him. He was a planner. He was an executioner. Are we living for today? What is our future? What are we thinking of in the greater future? Where do we see our church in the greater future? Where do I see ourselves? Where do you see our children in the work that God has committed to our hands? Even in our own secular job, I can come back to our secular job. Where do we see? God has created each one with a destiny. God has created each one with a destiny. And we need to achieve it. But we cannot achieve it if we do not have a vision. Now, in the midst of change, you say, what vision is there? Yes, there's vision in the midst of change. There is a vision in the midst of change. You can't get a vision. People have gotten accelerated growth, accelerated victories in this change period. Praise the Lord. Now, I've given you all this and I've given you like for like with David. Now, I'm coming back to us as a church. What should I do to be victorious? What should I do to be victorious in the face of change? 
what should I be to do to be victorious in the face of change? Number one is have God on your side. Have God on your side. David always had God on his side. When he faced Goliath, when he faced Saul, when he faced his battles, when he faced his children, he had God on his side. As all of us are gathered to here, you need to be born again for you to be victorious in these days of change. You need to be born again. And if for whatever reason you're listening to this message and you're not born again, you need to make your way right with God for you to tap into this victory. So wherever you are, in your homes, and you look at yourself and you say you do not know Christ, and you want Christ to come into your life, I want you to make this prayer with me. Just repeat this prayer after me. Because any other thing will not make sense. Anything I've said before or I'll say afterwards will not make sense if you have not invited Jesus Christ into your life. So just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you and as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. If you have made this prayer, wherever you are, please contact anybody in the church, any of the church leadership for counseling and guide the guidance for discipleship, for the next level, for greater explanation. Praise the Lord. And I believe as you have made this prayer today that God will be on your side. You will turn out victorious based on what I said. So number two, going forward, I think my time is almost running. It's prepare for change. We need to prepare for change. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. First Chronicles 12, 32. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs and were 200 and all the brethren were at their command. Praise the Lord. We have to be prepared for change. I think the pandemic caught a lot of us because we're not prepared. Some of us not look further than that. Some of us, we could not even use technology. But God has helped us to catch up. Now, even in your own secular word, how prepared are you for change? If your job is taken away from you, are you going to survive? What plans have you made? What plans have you made for the future? Now, David had a lot of time to prepare for change. When he was a shepherd, he prepared. Battling lions and battling bears prepared him for Goliath's main fight. Being chased by Saul prepared him for being chased by his son Absalom. 
So if Absalom was going to chase him, he has already been chased by, 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 by Saul. So he was prepared. If you're going through one downturn, you should be prepared for the next downturn. As Christians, we should be prepared. And one of the preparations that we need to, we need to delve ourselves in the word of Christ. God has given us signs about the end times. We're in the end times. We need to make, prepare for change. Sometimes change catches up with us and we're left nowhere. Number three, adapt to change. Adapt to change. First Corinthians 9, 19 to 26 says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I may win the more. And to the Jews, I become as a Jew, that I may win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Praise the Lord. This was Paul. Paul, a lawyer qualified in the circular. Adapted to change in which he found himself, preaching to unbelievers. He adopted himself to become like those who are there. One of the people I envy is missionaries. When a missionary goes to a certain place, he has to adapt to the environment that he's in. Maybe speak the language, eat the food. Some of us are in cities. How well have we adapted to Moscow to preach the gospel of God? How much have we been intertwined into this? The change that's coming due to Corona has forced us. I've seen a lot of people have stopped attending service. Be victory night, be Friday service, because they have not adapted to this change of what we find ourselves in. But there's victory. And when I look at it, our testimonies today were from India. Praise the Lord. They were from India. That means the bread of life is going international. You know, I'm teaching foundation class in discipleship training and discipleship class. I have people from the US, from Canada, from Germany from India, from UK. So who told you we're not victorious? We're being victorious because we're getting a wider reach. But on the surface of it, we think it's all doomed that we'll not be able to meet physically. Not knowing that God has gone ahead and he has given us the fuel to conquer. The next point I also have is to remove fear. Praise the Lord. Remove fear. Remove fear. Remove fear. I've already mentioned that. You cannot be victorious if you have fear in you. Ask Sister Rebecca, Brother Michael, if you are afraid, you will not be able to conquer your enemy. Don't forget what I said about victory. It's a struggle. So you have to remove fear. Number five. And I want to assure all of you, number five, this is very important. For every stage of life, there are provisions. You might have had your salary cut. You might have lost your job. But in Jesus' mighty name, I know God will provide for you. He will make provisions available for you. And that's the confidence you need to walk in. In Isaiah 46, 4, it says, even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I've made and I'll bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. So what am I saying? For every stage of your life, there's provision. Forget what is talked about in the side. Forget what is happening around you. God will provide for you. This is his words. 
If there's anything you will take out of this, take that Isaiah 46 and say you will be victorious in your provision because God will provide for you. And that will lead you to not be afraid. David was supplied for in the wilderness among the Israelites. There were a lot of common men when David was on the run that he was being provided for. If you can remember, common peasants were the ones providing for David when he was on the run. After becoming king. Don't forget what I'm saying. He was the time he was, he was running away from Absalom. He was already king. But then he was running away from his son. But he was being provided for. You might have been on a big salary and you're on a small salary. God will provide for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Number six, embrace who you are in Christ. Embrace who you are in Christ. I cannot change. That one is not, that's, that's not different. This is me. I'm a born again child of God. I have no apologies to anybody. People will say, what's happening to you in all this? You say you're a child of God. Why are you falling sick or why having this? No, I'm still holding on to God. In Colossians 6, 67, it says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith as you have been taught, abounding with thanksgiving. Revelations 2, 10b. It says, be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. So what am I saying about? What am I saying? You have to embrace yourself in Christ. You have to embrace, I'm a Christian, that whatever I go through is for my good. Whatever the season is giving me is for my good. Don't forget what I said in the beginning. There cannot be any growth without change. This growth is there because God wants to bless somebody there. Can I get an amen? Say, it's me that God wants to bless. Say, it's me I'm going to be blessed in this season. It might not look like it, but it's a blessing. It's a change that will grow. When we look back after all these years, we say, I was truly blessed in this season. The church will be blessed in this season. And that's my confidence. That as we come out, we'll be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Number seven, quickly, don't, number seven, it says, okay, learn to embrace change without losing focus of your goal. Okay? Learn to embrace change without losing focus of your goal. That's number seven. You know, you can remember Daniel in Daniel 1.8, but Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. His food was changed. Wine was given to him, but he decided to keep pure. If you go down to Daniel 6.10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks to God before his God, as was his custom since his early days. I can accept your change. I can accept the technology change. Let's pick the Bible. The Bible was written in skins before it became paper. Before it became electronic, I've embraced it. I've moved around with my electronic version sometimes. Most times, actually, my hard copy is here. I've embraced it because one of the things I'm not losing focus of the original words that were there. If the original words were changed, it would be a different thing. Because I know the end. David was faithful to the end. David always focused on his love for God. He always focused on God. That's why they said he was a man after God's heart. Regardless of what is changing around, around us, our focus should still be on God. We cannot lose our focus. The world has a way of making sin 
a line, I'm making a thin line. What is wrong is what is wrong. We should not dilute our message. Even as we look for various means to spread the world, to evangelize, we should not dilute it. So don't let's not focus our goal. Our goal is eternity, to make heaven and to take many people as long as, as we can to heaven. Now, above all, above all, above all, the last point, number eight, hold on to the word and pray. In Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You need to hold on to the words. So I've summarized it in eight things, okay? And you can pick anything for your own victory. You need to be born again. You need to adapt to the change. We need to adapt to the change of the times. In whatever ramifications it is, we need to adapt to it to grow to where God wants us to go to. If God has ordained it, there's room for growth. Remove fear. Remove fear of the unknown. It's not the way we used to do it. We'll continue doing it. God has asked us to change and move forward. Number four. Okay. Prepare for change was number two. Number three, adapt to change. Number four, remove fear. Number five, for every stage of my life, there's a provision. In Corona season, there's provision. We have had a witness to it. My sister testified to it. And so shall be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Embrace, number six, embrace who you are in Christ. As you embrace change, number seven, as you embrace change, don't lose your focus. Don't lose your focus. And lastly, hold on to the word of God. Now my conclusion, praise the Lord, is found in 3 John 1-2. And it says, beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's God's message for us today. That was the text at the beginning, but I gave it as a conclusion for you to know that God has ordained us for us to be victorious in this season. That's the word of God. That's not me saying it. I want someone to hold on to that word and claim it in this season of change. Victory is ours in this season of change. I don't want us to look at it negatively. I want us to look at it positively. There's an opportunity that God wants to lift us for us to be victorious. And God will do it for us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you will notice from the testimonies that were given, they have all learned to be victorious one way or the other. Praise the Lord. And that should be our own case. That ought to be our testimony. That throughout this period, whenever it ends, we shall be victorious. So we'll, we'll have some prayer points that we're going to, going to pray quickly before my time is almost up. I wish I had more time. My first prayer point, and wherever you are in your sitting rooms, I want you to lift up your voices. I say, Lord, I pray not to go back to my infancy's change. I pray not to go back to my baby years. Father, I will not dwell on yesteryears. With no change, I cannot grow. Father, Lord, give me the grace to grow. Give me the grace to understand this season and to grow with it, Father Lord. 
Lord, give me the grace. Give me the grace, Father Lord. May I not look back at my yesteryears, Father Lord. May I look at the glorious future, Lord, that you have kept for me, Father Lord. The glorious future on this earth before you come and the more glorious future in heaven with you, Father Lord. Father Lord, my journey to the top shall not stop. It will not stutter in the mighty name of Jesus. I will grow from strength to strength. I will grow from wisdom to wisdom. I will grow from wealth to wealth, Father Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Number two, in Deuteronomy 8.12, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, and he may establish his covenant with which he swore to you, as it is in this. I want you to decree where you are right now, sitting in your rooms, and say, Father, my provision shall be available to me in this season of life. I want you to declare it. I want you to declare it. Say, according to your words, Father, my provisions shall be available to me in this season in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every member that's hearing, that's hearing this word, everybody that's gathered together, Father Lord, as they have declared, Father Lord, in their lives, Father Lord, that everything will be available to them in this season of change, Father Lord. So shall it be in the mighty name of Jesus, Father Lord. Nobody shall be cut short. There might be differences, but Father Lord, you will provide you're the one that provided for Elijah with the raisins and a brook, Father Lord. Even at the widow's place, you provided for him, Father Lord. You're the one that provided for David when he was on the run after being king, Father Lord. Lord, if you're the one that can provide for these ones at different stages of their lives, Lord, you will provide for me also in the mighty name of Jesus. Number five, prayer point is in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 9. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of Simon. I want you to declare whom I shall not fear, but I shall be bold. Because God, you have, given this, you have not given the spirit of fear, but the spirit of boldness. Father Lord, I shall not fear what comes my way. I shall not fear what comes my way, Father Lord. Lord, I banish fear in my life in the mighty name of Jesus. According to your word, Father Lord. According to your words, Father Lord, you have not given me a spirit of fear. And Lord, I have come against any spirit of fear, Father Lord. You are giving the power of love and assignment. I shall enjoy my peace in this season, Father Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Me and my household shall enjoy your peace in the mighty name of Jesus. And so shall it be in the mighty name of Jesus. And so shall it be in the mighty name of Jesus. If we go to Psalm 23, and that's going to be my last prayer. It's very, very important. And I'll read it slowly as we go through. Psalm 23 is very important to all of us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I want everyone to open his Bible, wherever you are, in your home. I want you to read it. Just open your Bible. I was going to read it, but the Lord has said to me, I want everybody to declare it in this season of change because our victory is found in the word of God. So I'll read it. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I read that verse, it just tells me of victory. It's victory. Regardless of what you're going through, God has promised us victory. And victory is yours in the mighty name of Jesus. You claim it, you hold it, and God will manifest it in your life. God bless you as you have heard this message. And may it take roots in your life in the mighty 